0: to remote watch the podcast that transcends time we are your hosts as per usual i am kaylee i am currently in england
1: and i am in new york i'm julia i'm the other host on this show um Remote Watch, the point of Remote Watch, connecting two best friends across the world. Um, And we watch a bunch of things together and we talk about it and you get to enjoy our dumbassery on air. Um, If it's your first time, welcome, welcome. If you've been here before, thank you for joining us. If you're a, a fan of the show we're about to cover um, or the game we're about to cover, hin, hin, please stay with us on for the episode. We have had a sporadic upload schedule for this season, but this is our... Tenth episode of season three. Season three finale. Yay!
0: And our our two year anniversary. Yep, two years since we started as baby. Our child can. What can What can a two year do? Two year old do?
1: Well, they call them terrible twos. So a two year old can be sassy as hell, but they just can't get on any roller coaster rides. What adult is bringing a two year old on a roller coaster? <laughs> you would be surprised listen i live in america we do some dumb things well remote
0: watch itself is a roller coaster so it's a fun time for all of us but anyway can you believe it
1: it i can't time is an illusion it it is an illusion this is simply this was simply starting as a passion project and it's kind of helped uh propel our careers creatively i love i love this podcast to bits
0: And uh, this podcast loves you too, so without further ado, let's dive right into the show that we'll be talking about, HBO's The Last of Us.
1: So uh, HBO's The Last of Us is based on the popular 2013 PlayStation 3 video game about a man and a girl. Um, Joel and Ellie they are stuck in this post-apocalyptic world um, where they're full of zombies but essentially they are not like your normal typical zombies they are infected with something called cordyceps um, which is a real thing so it's kind of cool and absolutely terrifying that this is based in real life somehow and when they discover that Ellie is immune to the cordyceps infection Joel is tasked with bringing her to kind of a group so that way they can create a cure. Um, And the show follows the premise of the first game. Um, We have yet to see anything related to part two, Um, but that might be in season two because the show's already been reviewed for a second season. Spoiler alert. And also spoilers
0: for season one, because we're just talking all the show, also mostly show because we neither of us have played the meteor grapes. At least I haven't. Have you?
1: No, I haven't. Mainly because I've been absolutely terrified of zombie things for the longest. But I decided to like put on my big girl panties to watch this show. So let's just talk a little bit about how do you know about The Last of
0: Us? How why'd you start the show?
1: So I knew of The Last of Us. Like it's it's been around for a while, so you kind of like just know about it. Um, I remember in the second part. Something happens and people were extremely upset about it. I don't know if I should dive into what that is, because it is a big spoiler. Let's
0: let's like um not talk about the season two stuff or like game two stuff. Let's just keep it like game one. But from your tone, I kind of think, you know, what happens in season two Yes, and what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Yes. So basically something happens in part two that people are upset about. So I was aware of like what was going on in the game because like people were literally ranting to me about this. And I'm like, I don't play this game. I don't know what you're talking about. And so when the show came out, I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to finally find out what happens in the game. And instead, I am still watching game walkthroughs and gameplay um and videos from it because I'm just that curious now what about you like you it was just I was
0: just around people who would talk about the game because they had ps3s and I don't I'm a Nintendo switch kind of girl so um i don't play that game but uh it came out in 2013 so i was in high school and everyone was talking about it and i felt left out so i watched a cinematic playthrough and the person who was playing it was not the greatest at the game i remember bits of it so it's been like 10 years since like i watched the cinematic picture because that's when everyone was talking about game one and like i remember like i think that person playing the finale bit and he took ages and so when the final episode was just Joel like decimating everything
1: I was like wow the game through I watched that person just sucked didn't he listen listen this is also why I did not play The Last of Us I am terrible at video games I play a lot of Grand Theft Auto but I had to play levels over and over and over again so I would get so fed up chances are I'd be killed by zombies and clickers every five minutes because I don't know what I'm doing yeah so the fact
0: that this was adapted to a tv show makes it a lot more accessible for newbies of gamer world such as the two of us it's been 10 years since i saw the cinematic playthrough so what i remember was just the major plot beats of it so a lot of the side bits i just don't quite remember so much so this was a treat and obviously we get the treat that is pedro pascal
1: (laughs) oh my gosh yeah okay so i knew of the show But of course, I started it for Pedro Pascal. Um, I wasn't necessarily like a big Pedro Pascal girly, but I was like, you know what? I'm curious. Like it's got Pedro Pascal. It's got Bella Ramsey, who we've talked about in a previous episode. She's absolutely amazing. Um, And so I just had to see like how faithful this video game adaptation was going to be because I feel like granted, like I said, I did not play the game, but I feel like a lot of video game adaptations get like shit on often enough but not being faithful or not being good at all unless we're talking about Sonic apparently. In terms of video game adaptations my favorite
0: before this was Detective Pikachu and Arkane. Those are like my two top top ones and it's I'm also like semi-divorced from the source material photos too as, and this one as well. So as someone who is like not like super into like video games, I think these ones were like my main ones and like getting into a story plot line. This is a most narrative driven TV show that's based off video game because of how the video game is set out. Like uh, it's sort of like already designed to be like, a narrative when you play the video game so I guess uh what I remember from uh the cinematic playthrough there were so many shots that I remember that were directly ripped off from the review game so I can understand the frustration for people who played the video game to feel like well I kind of know the story of this already why should I watch the tv show which the show kind of like fixes because it adds a little like Uh, side plots that weren't originally in the game such as episodes about bill and frank and like the little riley chapter which to be fair is part of the game but like it's like a bonus part of the game as far as i understand
1: yeah i've got i've got two thoughts on that um like when episode one came out and the whole like when Cordyceps first comes alive and kind of the everything is in chaos. People were saying that after you watch episode one, you should watch the gameplay from the game. Like the shots almost exactly mirror each other. And that's kind of insane and crazy um, that they are like they're that faithful that literally the shots look the same. But also a second part of it is that like I loved watching the the creator snippets at the end of each episode. And Neil Druckmann said that basically his thought was you know we're gonna stay as faithful to the game as possible but we're gonna enhance when we need to enhance so that's where like things like the bill and frank episode came from because it was like they hadn't really told that story it was like a little letter that was in the game and i think bill actually had a bigger part in the game than he did in the show but it's like now we have this really emotional story about two people that really love each other and it's like pandemic and oh my god (laughs) Okay, I'm going to set aside my thoughts.
0: <laughs> no, that was like one of my favorite episode of the show because of how grounded it was. And I know that week when the show came out, that episode came out, everyone was like, it's not necessarily furthering the main plot between Joel and Ellie, but I would argue it doesn't have to. We're still like setting up the world because we sort of want to understand how dire the stakes are for Joel and Ellie and how like human relationships sort of like transcend everything and like, i have a lot of emotions about that episode
1: i do want to argue that we do need it and i i think i argued about this when we when the episode came out and i'm probably not gonna have the same word for word argument that i had when the episode came out but it's a lot of like well bill was a survivalist he was just looking to survive but did not have a reason to live frank was his reason to live and when frank did not want to live neither did bill like and you can sort of
0: parallel that with Joel and Ellie and that dynamic about like how surviving isn't the same as living. Through the relationships that they build in this experience, they can learn to live again. And that's the most beautiful thing. But at the same time, there's a lot of ugliness when it comes to like living through difficult situations and the amount of encounters that Joel and Ellie Go through because of this. It just,
1: uh, how do you feel about that? I never thought about video games as something as that would be something that had so much emotional depth, because like I'm here to just like like I said, I play Grand Theft Auto. I don't have any emotional depth in these games. Like you here to play and you here to just win the game. For like The Last of Us was already so emotionally charged, and we just needed it in TV form. And it's like now that other people, like people who don't play games are able to sit with it, they're able to understand it. And it's also absolutely terrifying. I feel like personally, I feel more emotionally charged by it just because it is a little relatable. You like we have gone through a pandemic. Granted, cordyceps and coronavirus are not the same, fortunately, because I do not want to deal with a zombie
0: apocalypse. No, you and I, we would be like, you know what? I've loved my friendship with you, but
1: I don't want to live in this world anymore. Listen, listen. I had this conversation with my boyfriend. Like, if there's an apocalypse, I'm giving up. They can eat me. I don't care. I know I'm not going to make it. I'm I'm, going to be writing letters to everyone that I love. It's just
0: like, (laughs) who's going to read them, Kaylee? I'm telling the people that I love love them. But I'm out. I'm out too. We're going out together
1: in different parts of the world. But yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not in, it's not gonna 30 seconds. They come in here, that's it. I'm gone. Um, I've already accepted literally. Like, I think
0: I was at the gym today, and like, so one of my new resolutions is to run five kilometers in half an hour nowhere near that yet. So I'm just like, you know what? Even like the like, YA dystopia world or like the post apocalyptic world, I am not gonna win, I'm gonna die
1: because of how insanely unfit i am. Yep. What's more terrifying is how like episodes 1 and 2 they really get you with like the the reality of it all. So essentially to explain cordyceps for anybody who did not understand or did not kind of like really pay attention, um cordyceps is a mushroom fungus that exists It can actually infect ants. So basically what it does is it takes control of the ant and makes the ant want to eat everybody else. Cordyceps can't survive in hot temperatures, but the first episode explains that if the earth gets hotter, (laughs) global warming, climate change, absolutely freaking terrifying because they're real things. If cordyceps becomes accustomed to a hot environment, it may be able to survive in humans. Now, this has been proven that it's probably not actually going to happen, but just the thought, like the fact that they rooted it in so much reality is absolutely terrifying. Um, and especially in the second episode, when we get that doctor and there, she's like, how many people have, you know, have been infected and you don't know where they are? Oh, there's 14 of them. Well, we know from this pandemic that we had with COVID, once you get one person, that's it. It's a super spreader. You're done. Like, we're all getting it at that point.
0: It's like doubly terrifying for me as like a Chinese person because cordyceps is like a in Chinese medicine something we use very widely. So I was just Stop. like, oh wow, Stop.
1: <laughs> no. Well, they had said that um, well, f- fictionally, we're the world talking fictionally, um, that it was surviving in like like bread like anything with yeast or flour so people were saying fungal like fungal infections and like so it's sort of spread from
0: there and because of the world and global warming that sort of thing but also bone to pick on hbo when people are speaking bahasa i can vaguely understand bahasa because i'm malaysian and indonesia also uses bahasa so i can kind of understand that but please don't put subtitles as speaking in a foreign language because that's just annoying for everyone else annoying for me because i don't speak bahasa indonesia but so i can glean like some of it from context but it's like boy not
1: everyone in the world understands what they're saying no not everyone understands i only understood what kinds of subtitles we got um the hbo subtitles did not help the show subtitles however did um where i finally got the context of what the heck was going on so yeah,
0: uh HBO, we've got bones to pick is despite the fact that we love the show also, I kind of wish we had more of that sort of like um yes, I know we have a show that is focused hyper focused on Joel and Ellie and like the situation specifically in the United States because the United States is the rest of the world. Uh, but that's what that's my opinion but I would love like more like global context of it. So like that episode in Indonesia where like that doctor is like talking about how the outbreak happened and like the scientist's perspective, that was pretty cool. And I wish we had like that throughout rather than just the first couple episodes.
1: Right. Because every country has dealt with a pandemic differently. If anyone was paying attention to the news when the coronavirus came out, like certain people in certain countries were just getting it. And other countries were like, we're going to lock down. And we're not seeing anybody else, and they were able to just kind of hang out and not really deal with it. So you think that the rest of the world
0: dealt with the Cordyceps situation better than the U.S.?
1: New Zealand would be fine. It already said we weren't going to see anybody. Like New Zealand would just be like have nobody. See, the reason why they they considered Cordyceps to be even more dangerous was because it was in like things that they would eat. So everyone was talking about how, like in the first episode, Joel avoids everything that could infect him. He doesn't eat cake for his birthday. He doesn't have pancake mix for breakfast. Like anything that has bread is gone. I don't know what happened to his lunch. I would have had a sandwich and that's why I wouldn't have survived. But it's like stuff like that is shipped internationally. So I take back what I said. New Zealand would have been screwed. Everyone would be screwed in like the globalization of trade and like
0: resources. So hey. This is
1: why you can't be friendly to your neighbors? Jesus. That's like the (laughs) most Americanized view of like. No, 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 no no listen hear me out when sarah goes to check on the granny next door she should not have because she was gonna die you stay in your own house you leave things alone (laughs) this is this is where we draw in like the themes of
0: collective like societal needs right so we get into let's jump to like the episode where joel sees tommy and he's like so you're living in communism right now and that's how, how's that working out for you? And Joel's and Tommy's like, this isn't communism. And then everyone else is like, no, the way that you're living, where you're sharing everything like this, it's essentially communism. And it's not a bad thing to have a society that is like helping out each other with what you need. I can't remember the exact quote of this. It's sort of just like, you don't owe anyone anything. That is the quote, but owe what you can. So like, if you can lift things better so, and then just help out what you can you know i i can't find the actual quote but like that is the
1: essential meaning of it i mean it like maria literally says like it's a commune like that's where they're living um i didn't i see i feel like i need to rewatch that episode again just because like i just wanted to see them reunite with tommy i did have a bit of an emotional disconnect just because of the Joel and Ellie storyline at that point so I believe I should probably watch this in one sitting and I kind of make that argument for any show I watch because like the watching it experience is different I had a bit of emotional disconnect with Joel and Ellie like their relationship becoming the father-daughter relationship because at some point I didn't really understand why he's like I'm gonna leave you here and she's like no don't leave me and I'm like but the other day, y'all were just trying to like get rid of each other. I don't get it.
0: <laughs> I would disagree because uh, I kind of binged this. So the way that I watched this was very different from Julia. You were watching it week to week. I watched it in chunks. So episode one to three, I binged. Episode four to six, I binged. Actually, four to seven. Four to seven, I binged. And then eight to nine, I benched so I watched it in separate like chapters and then because there is a time skip so especially uh when Joel and Ellie are getting to Wyoming to see Tommy so in that journey I'd say they were able to build that and like but there's a lot of like Introspection in part of like those two characters on like how much they want that relationship. So especially for Joel, he doesn't want to lose anyone anymore, especially under his watch. So he's like intentionally distancing self himself, which is way too a rational way to look at the situation because emotionally you're connected with this girl that you're bringing to Wyoming, and as for Ellie, uh, she's constantly talked about how she doesn't really want to be alone like even in her like own episode with Riley something that like affects her very much is the idea that she's being abandoned and it's from birth that probably because of the circumstances that she's found herself that uh she's had these like abandonment issues and I don't fault her for it so in any connection that she can find she latches onto it and that person she latches on to is Joel because he's the one that's bringing her to the place where she's gonna save the world and uh I'd say from that you can sort of like get the emotional bond of like parental child even though it gets a little twisted
1: at times especially by the end talk about that because I, I think your thoughts on that are pretty interesting okay so I just
0: came this is really fresh for me so I just finished it last night so this is like a two-parter so we can't get to that point before I talk about you know Ellie's like trauma from crazy Christian cult cannibalism cult and that I have a lot of thoughts of about that, that that was insane and I hated it because that seems like the most realistic thing doesn't need the fucking um zombie virus thing that thing's happening now it's gross anyway um so her trauma is from that and joel's methodology of dealing with that i disagree but i can't necessarily I, i i understand why he feels that like oh he wants to get the old ellie back because she's definitely really upset right now by what happened but the way that he's like talking about her Sarah and making comparisons to Ellie I get why he's doing it because now in his mind he's rationalizing that like oh this is kind of like me being a parent again me being like uh, a dad again and um whereas Ellie is not necessarily in a way she is looking for that sort of guidance
1: but it's not really healthy the way that they're going about it this is why you don't talk about the ex and the relationship you're trying to form with the new one (laughs) Not to say that this is, you know, like Leonardo DiCaprio praying on his 19 year olds. But it's also the emotional projecting. Um, I do, however, want to say that at the beginning, like Joel did not want to talk about Sarah at all. Like Ellie was like, I know about Sarah, like I don't know what's going on. And he's like, don't you ever bring her name back again. And then finally in the finale, he's like, so Sarah did this and Sarah did that. and Sarah would love you. I felt so uncomfortable, too, because it's like he's almost
0: negging Ellie in a way because he's just like, oh, um, Sarah is a lot taller than you and she's into girly things. And I'm just like, Joel, what are you doing? Like you don't have Sarah at your disposal. You have Ellie take Ellie as she is. To me, prior to that point, I was very sold because you watch enough shows about like, you know, the lone wolf and then like, in comes like a young girl that changes their life. We have Logan and I love that movie. We
1: have the Mandalorian. (laughs) I haven't seen the Mandalorian yet. So I'm a fake Star Wars fan. I mean, it's still the plot of Pedro Pascal adopts a child and is now a father to someone else, despite the fact that he's not a father in real life, but he's the Internet's daddy. We'll just let that sit there and be the way it is. Um, but yeah, it's it's often like the young. Affecting the old.
0: Um, it's like, oh, both of you have things that you can learn from each other. And it's sort of like a journey that you're going on and except it's quite a literal journey for the two of them and most of these sort of shows and dynamics <laughs> um, and in that journey you know Ellie learns to have new relationships and Joel learns to open his heart again and that was really cute to watch and I love Bella and I love Pedro and their relationship so
1: cute um he calls no. her belly <laughs> um I was just thinking like their dynamic from before and after the pandemic, like she's only ever grown up in a pandemic life. And he remembers things like when airplanes were in the air and she's like, wow, you flew. Um, and it's kind of crazy how she's learning about the past, like while it's kind of laying there dead. Um, and like when she goes through that girl's diary when she discovers the diva cup which i could go up bit into as well um when they go to the mall i only say i can go into the diva cup because it's like when the apocalypse hits and you get your period what the hell are you doing that's why you and i
0: don't want to deal with that back to the mall like you were saying i thought that was one of the most beautiful shots and like experiences because through her eyes, she's never seen so much like neon and lights just in one place. And it's for recreation because I feel probably for her, like uh, you know, conserving energy and like conserving as much as your resources as they can because that's just how you survive because you know you might die and people like all the zombies will come for you with all the lights which technically not wrong but that was beautiful her little adventure with riley was one of my like highlight episodes because of how it's so day-to-day slice of life except it isn't like you could put this as like a sort of independent film and it would still be beautiful it's just two teenage girls who are discovering who they are and what matters to them and what matters to their friend or something more than a friend and is that something that your crush is like seeing it about you and it was so cute and I was so heartbroken and I knew what was happening I knew what was happening I've seen the gameplays I've seen like she's talked about how her friend dies and I'm just like, I know this is going to happen, but I want to be in a world where they both figure out what their relationship is to each other and live a happy life. But obviously that means she won't get to meet Joel and like, yeah.
1: Well, it's, it's interesting because it's a show about like forming attachment in a world. We can't really afford to be attached because this person could die the next day and you don't even know it. Um if you want a definition of life is short, just watch the show. I mean, it puts it in a little more terrifying context because then you're chased by zombies and that's why life is short. But it's like either either you die from a zombie bite or you get killed by raiders because everybody's trying to fight with each other because of, you know, American individualism. You know how it is. They're trying to give the world a glimpse of hope, I guess, and trying to find a cure through Ellie. And do we want to get into the finale? <laughs> Let's get into the finale. <laughs> and it's it's kind of like they run on this hope and Ellie wants to save the world because she's got these immune powers. I'm going to call it a power because essentially is what it is. And Joel decides against it for her. He makes that decision for her. Yeah. Because we, well,
0: Ellie doesn't get to make an explicit choice, but... You know, Joel tries to give her an out. He tells her, Hey, are you sure you want to go through with this? We could just forget anything that's ever happened. We'll just go back to Tommy's place and we'll just live our lives like that. And then she feels that I've come way too far to not see this through. So this is what we're doing. And Joel understands that to an extent. But when comes the time that, oh, you're going to have to sacrifice your kind of surrogate daughter for like it's the trolley problem you know it's just like someone you care about the rest of the world who are you gonna pick and joel in we're allowed to say this he was selfish and i'm not you know i'm not saying he's not allowed to be but in his selfishness and like sort of fugue state he just goes into rampage the hospital and like You and I kind of have an idea what season two might do. It comes with consequences, but he doesn't care about that. What he cares about is Ellie. And that's like his like beeline cares about Ellie. And it was difficult to watch, but like, I get it.
1: Yeah, it feels like the logic makes sense. But it's also like, wait, it's it's literally Ellie versus the world at this point. Um, I think what's even more messed up is that he lies to her. And she just, like, they build this trust for a whole season. And she's like, okay, I'll believe you. I feel like this is actually
0: what's going to make season two so interesting. It's because, like, I trust you so much. But because even when Ellie says, okay, you can tell she doesn't buy it. But she's willing to set this aside because of her fear of being alone. And um, from that, she goes with it. But obviously this lie is something they tried to sweep under the rug. But, you know, the rug's going to like trip over people. And um, it's going to make season two really heartbreaking to watch because like this is a sort of thing that sort of changes your dynamic. Like I know their dynamic has definitely shifted constantly throughout the show. But like this is definitely something that sort of like plagues It's not like, I know I'm trying to use words but like it it definitely like plays their relationship to like in a big part and it's going to be exciting to watch.
1: Yeah, I what I will say without any spoilers is that they do a really great job of developing Ellie and now I feel like she really is her own person. Um, because you know, you do see the episode with Riley and she doesn't really know who she is, but in her journey with Joel, now she kind of does, um, in some sense. Um, and now she's kind of found someone to lean on and express that with. And it's it's been a struggle because she's seen everybody in her life that she wants to lean on. What what is it? The line, everybody's left or has died, or something like that. Um, and now she's able to kind of deal with it on her own. I mean, I really saw her in the the cannibal episode. And I'm here terrified for her. And what's interesting is that like in the kind of creator conversation at the end of the show, they talk about like, you think Joel is going to save her. Like you're waiting for Joel to save her. And there have been so many shows where like the girl's held captive and you know the person on the outside is going to save her. And you just want them to do it in time. And you're like really excited for it. And instead, Ellie saves herself. And in, in that fear and that rage in the end of that episode, I just like... I had to cry because I felt the emotional charge of it. Like you get so scared and terrified. Then yo, this show made me cry three different times. Don't even get me started. Um, If we started like a tear count, we would have like a whole new episode. But besides that, but like this kind of world is so scary and so anxiety inducing that like when she finally sees Joel in the end and he's like, I got you. That moment I cried because it's like sometimes in situations like that, you just need someone to say, I got you, I'm here, it's okay. And it's like a minor thing, but for them, it was absolutely really massive, but it meant a lot to both of them.
0: The way that it just like builds, 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 and like there are hiccups, Joel deciding that he's not good enough to bring Ellie to the university or like um, them deciding if they not, they weren't on the same page of this in the beginning of this, but like uh, them deciding whether they should trust Henry and Sam. And like that little arc was like, oh, it because... We're sort of paralleling, you know, the Henry and Sam art, that brother relationship versus like Joel and Ellie's relationship as they were developing. And as we were seeing, like, you know, the choices that Henry has to make for Sam, and not for Sam per se, but like the choices that he makes that would affect Sam and how he goes about doing those things while keeping, you know, his conscience and like what he's doing it for. And how, in the end, how Joel sort of reconciles that and his decisions and what he's doing it for. Yeah, it's actually
1: a great parallel because it's like Sam can't necessarily make all the choices he wants. He's a little boy. He's also deaf. So he can't necessarily communicate the way he wants to. Um, And at that point, Henry makes choices for Sam. Like, Joel makes choices for Ellie. Oh my God, it's a direct parallel. We're so smart, right? Nope. Yeah, that's a
0: long ramble about Joel and Ellie's relationship, which is essentially the show. If we, like, you know, get past the survivalist aspect of it, because those two are the heart and core of heart, heart, core, and soul, essentially, of what makes, like, this zombie show engaging to me, at least.
1: And it's it's been a show about heart and soul since, well, not show, like a, a series about heart and soul since the beginning. Um, and what I really liked was that they involved the original voice actors from the game um, into the show. And it's not just the voices of Joel and Ellie. Um, we've got the voice of Tommy, the voice of Abby, the voice of Marlene, who, who is Marlene. Marlene. <laughs> yeah. That I think what was also great was that, you know, the game was made with uh, motion capture. So uh, like a lot of the characters look like they're actors. Um, so that's why Marlene can play Marlene. Um, but also, I mean, we've got to know for standout characters and performances. And I want you to share yours. But I kind of want to give a shout out to Ashley Johnson, who played Ellie's mom. She, re- she is Ellie's mom. She is Ellie um, physically and did whatever. Like she has lived with Ellie for years. Like she brings Ellie to life literally. Literally. And. And in and in reality, um, and that's really cool to see. I think she has such a short scene, but it was also like, what do you do when you get pregnant in an apocalypse? Like she's literally being attacked and giving birth at the same time. If that's not badass, I don't know what is. That was so great.
0: Like, it's so like, there's so many like small things that you see that she does. It's like, she's seeing ellie baby ellie a lullaby with a knife through her throat in case that she like uh zombies out and that was like heartbreaking and there's so many like because <sighs> she her entire like scene is essentially in that house but like it's just so much bigger than that
1: yeah and it's it's really just her what's interesting is that like apparently in the game they don't really explain why ellie is immune and the show gives an explanation and includes the original Ellie for the reason. Um, honestly, every single performance in this show
0: is a standout to me. Like, um, I think this is like my opinion. Kathleen was is would be such a difficult character to
1: what she carried out was post-apocalyptic Karen. How do Karens persevere when everyone else is gone? When they can't call the manager, they become the manager. The thing is, I don't even see her as a Karen. I see her as like, like it, yeah, I
0: get what you mean by Karen, but it's so much more than Karens. Karens have no depth, but this woman and in her performance of it, so uh, Melody Lebinsky, I think this is a this was really good, and like her way of like slowly becoming this essentially a terrorist and like sort of just ah, beautiful crazy outstanding love that uh i also love henry and sam brilliant performances he is a child and he and everyone on set learned like asl just so that they could talk to him that was so cute i also loved nick offerman i've been with him since the parks and recreation days and him bringing to life that romance with the go- the hotel manager from <laughs>
1: from the White Lotus. <laughs> I also, I also have to. Um, I don't, I don't remember his real name, and that is terrible because I feel like I should have done my research. But the character he plays in the White Lotus versus Frank in the Last of Us, are like they're they're complete opposites, but they're also Murray kind of the same. Yes, Murray Bartlett. That's what it was. Because like, they both have that sense of well, I'm gonna do what I want. But But they both handle situations, yeah, very differently. Um, So I guess that's Murray bringing himself kind of being like, I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to do a killer performance, which is what he did, which is great. Everyone's so good in this. Um, This is my, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like shout
0: out. Uh, Thank you, John Hanna, for being the epidemiologist of telling us about what's happening because that was fun. And uh, Gabriel Luna, I'm really sorry that your Ghost Rider series got canceled, but... I like that you're here. Just that
1: I like that you're here is not even a review. <laughs> you could kind of chalk up I like that you're here to the entire TikTok fandom. Um because once this show dropped, like Pedro Pascal was already big, but it was like the fact that The Last of Us and The Mandalorian hit it once held him. <laughs> yeah, he's now like top tier apparently um and now Pe- pedro pascal tiktok has taken over everyone's for you page how have you experienced the last of us through tiktok kaylee well
0: um so obviously i wasn't watching it week to week and so obviously tiktok is not silent about spoilers so stay away from tiktok when you don't want to find out about things although i do actually know what happens i've seen the cinematic through. anyway um There's so much Pedro stuff on my for you page. There's this, there was this challenge by somebody I saw. Uh, Can you go 15 swipes without a Pedro edit or any reference to Pedro? And I believe I would fail.
1: I think right now I would pass, but like when the show first aired, I definitely fail. Um, What's also been interesting is that like, I didn't see as many Last of Us edits. If I see The Last of Us these days, it's about Ellie. Um, But when it was about Pedro, it was about like Kingsman and the. um, The unbearable weight of miraculous talent. I'm getting the title wrong, even though I saw the film. It was a fun film. It was a fun film. And seeing that scene in the car in context is perfect. Yeah, I fell in love with
0: Pedro since his Game of Thrones days. I well, I credit my other HBO love of my life, kind of. We have a love-hate relationship. Uh, Game of Thrones. He was one of the best parts of season four, my favorite season of Game of Thrones,
1: partially because he's in it. I knew of him. I feel like I've experienced him more through Oscar Isaac because like I enjoy Oscar Isaac. I think he's also pleasant to look at. Um, I really liked Moon Knight. And then that Wired interview they did. Oh my God like it was just too funny like I the dumbassery they exude is what I want us to be let's get there one day Kaylee please we already kind of are (laughs) okay that's true so what we need to do is call Wired have them get us on an autocomplete yes yes (laughs) I think um TikTok's just sort of
0: taking by storm and Pedro has been you know admitting that everyone calls him daddy now and it's I don't know. Does he feel uncomfortable about it? I think he's essentially kind of embraced it, especially after SNL.
1: He has, but I've started to notice that like in some interviews, he's straight up ready to say no. Like he's okay admitting that he's a little uncomfortable with it or that he doesn't really want to address it because it's like, we don't really need to sexualize him like that. Like it's funny but i can assume it's probably really uncomfortable so oh i feel like it'd be uncomfortable for anyone so uh, he's taking it really
0: a lot more graciously than most people uh especially with the snl bit not many people would engage the same way that he has i would say that's
1: that's true they did do a <laughs> skit on tiktok edits <laughs> shout out to uh Kree. cree dv cree dv who um, has been like yeah She's there like she has the pulse on this edit world. What's hilarious is that if you go down her page, she's got edits for like everything else. Then that one Pedro edit comes out and she's only a Pedro account now. And she got she got whole TikTok in a chokehold. It's crazy.
0: The one that you sent me was insane. The one where that woman was drawing frame by frame on like a lead pencil frame by frame of that edit. And I was like, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, it, it came out perfect. It came out amazing, but it's just crazy. It's But like the amount of dedication and work that went into that, the infatuation must have been insane. Well, it's like, it's like he's, I don't want to call him a disease, but I think we're all infected with like Pedro Pascal, like infatuation. <laughs> he's eating our brains. Oh my God. There we go. What's been, what else has been on your brain lately? What have you been watching? Um, More Pedro Pascal. Ask how I I lied. Um, No, actually, I haven't. So I've seen the first three episodes of The Mandalorian. I knew I wasn't going to see Pedro's face because I always thought it was weird that in The Mandalorian, you just don't see his face. Did I explain the Mandalorian lore to you in the show? Yeah, but. I, with star wars shows they start so slow i stop paying attention after a while um but i'm three episodes into season one as season three airs right now um i'm just afraid to touch on episode four because i know that's when gina carano comes in and i'm like do i really want to give her screen time they kick her out a little bit after a little bit so just ride through it you know okay i have got to ride through it fine i just want to see how cute grogu is you can't call him baby yoda <laughs> no no, because I know what the right name is. But other than that, I am now apparently down a rocky rabbit hole because I saw Creed 3 for Jonathan Majors. Um, This is this is the second podcast I'm talking about Jonathan Majors on. And Jonathan, if you hear this, I love you. You're really attractive. Um, We don't know each other, but you're also a really great actor. Um, and I'm just going to say that. So I'll end up down the Rocky movies. I'll end up down the Creed movies. And so if I become a boxing fanatic, We'll find out by next episode. What are you watching? I've been catching up on all the things.
0: So I've fallen behind on Marvel because life gets in the way. So I finally watch Wakanda forever. And I'm a Shuri and Namor truther.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think when the film came out, everybody was like, if you're a Low, stan, you're going to like Wakanda forever. Like there is the
0: potential you know, like just the two of them against the world who's after vibranium. So there's that. I'm also catching up on Shadow and Bone because I need Netflix to not cancel my baby. I want to see my Six of Crows spinoff. I know vaguely because uh TikTok kind of spoiled me that they've adapted more than half of Book one of uh, Six of Crows already in season two, which is annoying because this is a Shadow and Bone show. We need our Six of Crows to be separate. I used to be a proponent that like these two shows can coexist. But if this is what's happening, I don't like that. Um, <laughs> you also need your fill of Ben Barnes. Oh, yes. Give me more Ben Uh Apart from that, I also watched the first episode of Daisy Jones and the Six. I'm like listening to the the album on repeat or was on repeat i've just finished the audiobook before my parents got over and i was like i should have listened to the audiobook first before i read the book because this is a much better experience in fact i didn't need to read the book the audiobook itself is great i'm hoping that the tv show is as good as the audiobook
1: it probably will be like if we want to talk adaptations (laughs) we'll see there's a lot of ways you can fuck up an adaptation we
0: have seen bad adaptations of things
1: that is very true. All
0: right. So thank you so, so, so much for listening to this entire episode. If you made it this far <laughs> and not clicked out, um, so you can find us on at remote watch on Twitter. We are at remote underscore watch on Instagram. You can find all of the things on our website, com. You can also find everything we make on the internet, essentially. You just Google our <laughs> names.
1: We're there. And well, so we are Googleable. It's just you gotta do some research. Type
0: the things and yeah. type
1: it correctly, you know?
0: Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. We're wrapping up season three. Season four will be kind of better for our upload
1: schedule. Hopefully, definitely we'll see. We'll get better. Our podcast has been getting better with time. It's two years. We're learning things like, you know, audio production. Um, and so we'll probably sound better the next time you hear us. All right next
0: time hear us talk about potentially daisy jones because that's what we have slated but you know we change everything whenever we want this is our show we do what we want it's our show
1: we go with the flow (laughs) all right thank you so much goodbye bye remote watch out
0: And then, when we come to the part of like, you know, them getting like kidnapped
1: by the fireflies and them like, okay, we're going to have to lobotomize Ellie right now. First of all, that's not how science works. They're, that's how their science works because cordyceps infects the brain. And therefore, she already kind of had cordyceps. And so, cordyceps think she's already infected. And th- essentially, she has her own vaccine, which I had an extra thought now that I'm thinking about it. Like, with all these anti vaxxers, even if they found a cure for cordyceps, I bet you there would still be people who would be like, I'm not taking that. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Oh, my God. That would be the other pandemic. I d- no, no. You got zombies roaming the streets. and You're not taking this vaccine. You would have thought. Well, it's
0: depending on the commune that subscribes to the idea. No, I'm pretty sure the cult would take the vaccine. But I don't know. Tommy might. Tommy's team might.
1: The cult was also only following the lead of one man. I mean, that's America, though. Nobody asked you to be like this. (laughs) I didn't have a choice, Kaylee. I am simply American because I am. (sighs) (laughs) Jeez.